Hello, my rebels. Today, I talk to you about the risk of getting the virus outdoors. To quote one public health officer, it's infinitesimally small. I'll prove the stats to you and I'll ask, so why are we cracking down on people going to the beach? Well, it's pretty obvious it's about power. I'll make my case. That's up next. Hey, can I invite you to become a Rebel News Plus subscriber? I want you to see the video of this one public health officer that I quote. I was convinced by it, and I don't generally trust public health officers because they're just politicians with an MD after their name, but if you get the Rebel News Plus subscription, you get the video version of this podcast, plus David Menzies has a weekly show and Sheila Gunn-Reed too, and it's only eight bucks a month or 80 bucks if you buy for the whole year, and that's enough to help keep our lights on here because you know, we don't take a dime from Justin Trudeau. Tell me another media company that can tell you that, eh? All right, here's the show. Tonight, here comes a new war on your civil liberties all in the name of the pandemic. It's July 6th and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. How was your weekend? The weather in most places in Canada was great. Finally, summer is here. Get out of the house, feel normal again after being really under house arrest for four months. What a laugh. They said it was just two weeks to flatten the curve. Now they're saying they might not even open up the schools in September. That's more than two months away from now, but the teachers unions know they'll be paid no matter what, so why not keep the party going? They're having a blast. Um, I, I see that a lot of families have tried homeschooling. They were sort of forced to, and some of them are desperate for schools to start up again, but some families realizing this is the best thing that ever happened to them. I uh, saw this news story over the weekend from North Carolina. The system, this is the, this is the page, it's a homeschooling page. Uh, the system is not currently available due to an overwhelming submission of notices of intent. It will be back online as soon as possible. We apologize for any inconvenience as we work to process NOIs as quickly as possible. So those are families who are serving a notice on the state that, thanks very little, we'll take it from here. They crashed the system. So yeah, but still, what a mishmash. Some things are open, some are closed. Some are open depending on your politics. I haven't seen a single politician condemn a Black Lives Matter protest for spreading the pandemic. Have you? And yet, if Trump supporters rally, why, that's a national public health hazard. I see that Harvard University has decided in advance that it doesn't really feel like opening up at all next year. It just won't. It'll still charge students 50 grand a year U.S. for online <laughs> classes. Can't you just watch those on YouTube for free? Well, of course you can. But Harvard was never really selling its knowledge, at least not in the last generation. It was selling its name and exclusivity. Anyone can know what a Harvard grad knows, but only the select few can also pay 200 grand US for a four-year degree in women's studies. That's what it is for sale, snobbery, and class, and there's always a demand for that. 
Hey, did you see this? This is from Ontario, but it could really be from anywhere in Canada or the United States or the UK, some of the worst. Like I said, it was a glorious July weekend, most parts of the country. If you're fancy, you can go to your private cottage or cabin or lake house, but if you're not fancy, you don't have a private cottage or cabin or lake house. You can't afford one, but the beach is just as much fun and it's free. Yeah, no. Look at this, Florida or Toronto. Sadly, Toronto went for a Sunday stroll at Bluffers Park. While some are respecting social distancing, many more are not. No City of Toronto bylaw officers in sight. Yeah, those insane Florida people, so irresponsible. I mean, CNN said so. Insane Republicans down there, except that Florida, which has exactly 50% more people than Ontario, it doesn't have 50% more deaths from the virus than Ontario. Ontario is deadlier. But sure, if you're an anti-American media party reporter in Toronto who gets all their info from CNN, have at her. But it's actually safer to be in Florida than Ontario, if that's your thing. But look again at the photo. It's a shot at a certain angle. I think in art that's called foreshortening. I'm, I'm not sure. It looks pretty crowded, right? Except everyone's standing, well, because everyone's standing so close to each other. But but as you can see, some people are smaller than others, and some are much, much smaller than others. But in real life, they're not smaller. The photo's taken at a certain angle to make everyone look jammed up on top of each other. But in fact, that photo, which has 100 people in it, shows a stretch of beach hundreds and hundreds of years long. It's, a, it's an optical illusion that everyone's jammed together through foreshortening. But the greatest trick is this. A global news reporter goes to the beach to enjoy himself and is mad that other people have gone to the beach to enjoy themselves. <laughs> this was a great reply to that global reporter. But look at what the global news reporter did. He tagged in his photo John Tory, Doug Ford, and the public health officer. He's tattling on people. He's not reporting. He's being a scold. He's calling the manager, 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 I'd like to report someone else at the beach. If you think that's a bit much, well, look at what some politician said at Ontario's Wasega Beach, about 90 minutes drive from Toronto. Look at this. We saw human behavior at its worst. Overcrowding an issue at Wasega Beach, Ontario, on Canada Day. You know, I've been to Iraq to refugee camps from the Islamic State. I've talked to survivors of the terrorism. I met a Yazidi rape slave who had fled to Germany who told me she was raped 240 times by terrorists before she lost count. They have slaves there. Even still, every day we learn about horrific treatment of humans by, by other humans, about civil rights being destroyed, about violence and crime, and even genocide today. But none of that compares, you see, not to CTV News, not to not the barbarity of Islamic terrorists or open-air slave markets in Libya, not the Soviets or the Nazis, we saw human behavior at its worst. Oh, for crowding at the beach on Canada Day. We're saying a beach, eh? Sear that name into your memory. That's another Flanders Fields or Mile Eye. If you click the link, you get this story from the CTV. Uh, I mean, just look at that horror. People, um, you know, sitting in the sun, minding their own business. And funny enough, not wearing masks when it was 30 degrees out. The town of Wasega Beach is cracking down 
on overcrowding at the beach. Town officials said the Canada Day crowds were the final straw. After three weeks of physical distancing issues, are, are those really the worst people in the world? I mean, the beachgoers, not the shrieking town hall politician nobodies. I'll read some more. Town council also passed a bylaw that would see fines of up to $750 for anyone caught in the closed areas of the beach. Just let me say, if you are one of the people who gets those insane tickets, just send them to us at fightthefines.com. Don't pay the tickets. Fight them, okay? But is it true that going to the beach makes you the worst person in the whole history of the whole world? And by world, I don't just mean planet Earth, but all the other planets in the solar system. Are you the worst person in the solar system? No, that, that's just what some weirdo politicians and bullies are saying. Here's what Dr. Bonnie Henry, the public health officer for British Columbia said. Now, I'm not interested in picking and choosing my public health officer in a great big public health officer brawl because frankly, any one of them will say anything on any given day. But just listen to her for a second, if you would, take a listen. There has been, uh, there was one study that we've been looking at that looks at 138 different clusters and there was a single one that was associated perhaps with um, people in close contact, uh, co close contact outdoors. So the transmission risk is much less outside, as far as we can tell, in that we, as long as we keep our physical distances from people. So being outside, as long as you're with your group, your home, your bubble, um, that is fine. And maintaining your distance from others. The risk that somebody who is sick is spreading this virus from coughing or sneezing outside and you walk by them very quickly, even if it is within six feet, that risk is, is negligible. We, you know, that's not the way this virus is mostly transmitted. I mean, we always say never say never in medicine, but you know, the, the risk would be infinitesimally small. Um, if somebody runs by you, somebody walks by you, even if they were in within six feet. Wow, she used the word infinitesimal. I think that means tiny. Well, not to get all sciency on you, but she's right. Here's the Globe and Mail. To date, 312 detailed studies have been published about clusters of coronavirus infections. There is not a single case of infection by casual contact outdoors. I think I read that one to you another day. Here's an expert from the United Kingdom in their reputable Telegraph newspaper. Casual interactions outside don't seem to be driving coronavirus transmission. Exclusive interview with one of the UK's top epidemiologists on immunity, contact tracing, and Britain's exit strategy. Adam Kacharski is an associate professor at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Sounds serious. So what does he have to say in response to this question of going to the beach? Well, he said, this is the question he got. Modeling has suggested outdoor environments pose less risk than indoors. What are the implications for efforts to ease a lockdown? And he answered, when we're looking at things like super spreading events, typically they occur in quite close-knit settings, offices, restaurants, parties, gatherings. Casual interactions outside don't seem to be driving transmission. What we need to untangle is whether that's a feature of the environment or whether it's due to the proximity and duration of the contact. But in the UK, where people have been able to go outside, we've still seen a substantial decline in transmission. And biologically, it would make sense if you were catching the virus after going vaguely near someone in a park, then we'd have a much bigger problem on our hands. Oh, so it's, it's not a big problem. That's good to know. Now, I, I don't trust anything coming out of China, of course. But if you do, and Trudeau does, and so do all the media, here's a study out of China on this very point. New study finds few cases of outdoor transmission of coronavirus in China. 
A new study of the more than 300 outbreak clusters of COVID-19 in China reveals that the majority of the outbreaks were fueled by indoor transmission of the disease, while outdoor transmission was scarce. The filtered data presented 318 outbreaks, encompassing 1,245 confirmed cases of the virus across 120 cities. The location of the outbreaks were divided into six categories, homes, transport, food, entertainment, shopping, and miscellaneous. Nearly 80% of all the outbreaks occurred in a home setting, while 34% came from a transportation setting. Additionally, most of the home outbreaks resulted in three to five cases. However, researchers were only able to find one outbreak that took place in an outdoor environment involving just two cases. So pretty much being outdoors is the safest place in the world. It's not being the worst person in the world. It's actually just being a normal person who isn't going to get sick. Here's how BC has fared under that Dr. Bonnie Henry, as opposed to, say, Ontario. Look at this. Look at table three here. Absolutely zero deaths in anyone under 40. In British Columbia, that's 2.4 million people, by the way. Zero deaths. None. Nobody under 40 has died. Nobody. Add in the 40s to the 60s. So now you're talking about 3.75 million people. Now you're cooking. It's still a grand total of seven deaths. Now each one is a tragedy. But that's, is that a pandemic? Compare that to say the opioid drug called fentanyl. Also like the Wuhan virus is typically from China. Let me show you what fentanyl alone has done in British Columbia. So like I said before, it's seven deaths under age 60 from the coronavirus, seven, just seven. In the entire population, including people in their 80s and 90s, total deaths, 177. By the way, it's a tiny fraction of Ontario's death toll, a sliver of a fraction of Ontario's death toll, but look at this. This is on the opioid side. Table one, that's deaths by fentanyl. 396 deaths this year alone. Average age, people in their 30s. So yeah, going to the beach is not the worst thing in the world. Telling people they can't go to the beach is actually worse for their health, and it's just being mean. And maybe once we're done fighting the China virus, and by the way, we are done fighting the China virus, it's over, maybe we can start fighting the other deadly import from China, drugs, as opposed to doing the left-wing thing and giving them out for free in legalized shooting drug galleries like they do across Canada. Stay with us for more, we've got a book interview with a rebel alumnus. That's next. Well, I am very excited about our next guest. You'll remember him for his great series of videos that he did for us at Rebel News. He's a uh, prolific pundit, and I can't believe how many great books he writes. And so when I heard he had a new one, I thought we've got to get Kurt Schlichter back on the show. You know him from his series of near future, slightly dystopian novels about America. But this next one I think is going to be of great interest to America watchers up here, especially for those of you who, like me, are pro-Trump. The book, which is released tomorrow on Regnery, and you can order it now on Amazon, is called The 21 biggest lies about Donald Trump and you. And joining us now via Skype is 
Kurt Schlichter. Kurt, first of all, it's great to see you again. You've certainly kept great yourself busy. Great to see busy. you. Uh, I, I have tried to, but there's, a, you know, we're, we're, I like to think we're in the same fight. I like to think that Anada's about three or four years ahead of where uh, the Ameri uh, their left is at, about three or four years ahead of our left. And uh, you guys are kind of a terrifying glimpse of the future. The way that you've been treated has been positively Banana Republic style. And it's uh, stunning and frightening but inspiring that you continue to resist. And I'm, I'm very proud to uh, uh, have been associated with you and uh, Rebel News and fighting back against this kind of petty and not so petty tyranny. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, I mean, if we are a cautionary tale for all Americans, hold on to your First Amendment, hold on to your Second Amendment, because those will be the first to go. That's the basis upon which everything else rests. So, so learn from our flaws and our mistakes. Um, now, let's get into your book. It's called The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. Now, can you tell me why you add on the words and you? What does that mean? Well, it's the most important part, Ezra, and I think you'll, you, I, I, and I think in your own work, you've seen the same thing. Remember, the fight isn't against Donald Trump. These guys loved Donald Trump. They liked to party with him. He was glamorous. They could ride in his plane. There were pretty girls. He'd give them money uh, in donations. And then they realized, wait a minute, this guy doesn't respect us. And he's attempting to take power on behalf of a social class, the normal Americans, the working Americans, the one who built this country, feed it, fuel it, defend it and taking it away from the elite. When they, the elite realized not only was he serious uh, about taking power from them, but he didn't respect them. He, he wasn't impressed by them. He'd seen them up close. Why should he be impressed? He is an avatar for us, regular Americans and regular Canadians too, who just want to be free people and left alone. But our garbage elite can't do that. They don't have a religion. They don't have any kind of cultural understanding or any kind of moral framework. Instead, they have this bizarre pagan religion, which here manifests as, you know, climate cult uh, idiocy, you know, where they're worshiping the words of some, you know, Swedish waif or, uh, or whatever. It, 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 it's about you. It's about silencing you. It's about keeping you down. It's about making you impoverished and obedient and helpless. Yeah. And this book, this book is a handbook to fight back. You know, it's funny you say that. You make me think of a, a meme, a little image that Trump tweeted, and the New York Times objected and took it down. It's this very powerful photograph, and Trump's looking at you and says, yes. they're not coming for me, they're coming for you. I'm just standing in the way. It's a great meme, and it, as if to prove Trump right, the New York Times demanded that Twitter take that photo down. So you're right. Trump is the, the pointy end of the spear, He's the front line for so many of us, um, whether it's free speech or rule of law or a sensible uh, uh, pro-Western, pro-democratic uh, foreign affairs policy. Um, I, I've said before that Trump's re-election this November is probably more important to the fate of freedom in Canada even than our own election. And I'm not saying that out of any dismissiveness for Canada. It's just so important for everywhere from Iran to China to it, it, it couldn't be more important. Now, let me ask you this. One of the so-called fact-checkers in the United States who's obsessed with Donald Trump is named Daniel Dale. And I'm embarrassed to say he came from Canada. 
He started off for the Toronto Star fact-checking the late, great Mayor Rob Ford. And I read a couple of his fact-checks, and they were all opinion-checks. He would say, well, Trump's wrong yeah. on this or wrong on that. But I, I could never find a fact that was wrong. Maybe there might have been a little bit of overheated adjectives. But all this about tr Donald Trump fact-checks, and now Facebook has imported them and whatnot, it's really people just disagreeing with his opinion. He actually generally gets things right more than any other politician or as much as any other politician. Well, that's certainly true. And I consider him the most talented politician of the last uh, 30 years, the previous one being Bill Clinton. Again, I, I oppose Bill Clinton, but technically, I mean, he was a superb politician uh, and, and communicator. Uh, and then before that, Ronald Reagan here in the United States. Look, you're absolutely right. Facts don't matter. That's one of the points of uh, the 21 Biggest Lies about Donald Trump and you. The elite is post-fact. The elite is concerned with one thing. It's concerned with power. It works backwards from there. It's like its version of science. Well, we need more power, so let's create an entire framework of uh, uh, global temperature panic to justify, wow, everything we want. It, 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 it's amazing. Everything they justify is everything they've always wanted but couldn't get any other way. And that's what you see here. There's no facts to check. They don't care about facts. In fact, they will tell you facts aren't important. Hmm. It doesn't matter. It's about power. And facts don't matter when you fight them. As the book teaches, facts are important when you go to other normal people who aren't engaged. If you say, hey, if you're, you, know, you believe Black Lives Matter, why are you tearing down a statue of Abe Lincoln? And a normal person will go, yeah, I don't remember high school real well. I was partying a lot, driving my Carrera, listening to Pink Floyd. But I do seem to remember that Abe Lincoln was kind of kind of ended slavery. I remember that part. While an elite person would go, well, he's part of a colonial paradigm that uh, empowers the cisgender patriarchy. So it's important that we destroy his statue, too. Hmm. So we, we have to maintain facts to convince the unconvinced. As far as fighting the left, we need to do what we need to do which is power. We need to get power through the electoral system, exercise it ruthlessly to enforce the standards that made Western civilization. We're talking with Kurt Schlichter, a rebel commentator alumnus. His new book is called The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. You can find the link to it below this video. Let me read a little bit, and the book goes on sale tomorrow, but people can pre-order as soon as right now, so that's exciting. Yep. I love lists. I love 21 things. I love that it. it's very readable. Yeah, it's not BuzzFeed, okay? It's not, it's not. Oh, I know, I know. No, Trump it's, and I'm, outrage your cat. I'm you know, just trying to come that. up with my own list. Let me read a little <laughs> bit from your blurb because there's a couple points here that people will immediately say, oh yeah, that's right. Let me just read um, a couple. Why liberals cry racism at any argument they don't like when the real racists of American history have all been the Democrats. I mean, Trump has always been a friend of African-Americans, Jews, gays, whatever. I mean, you're in Manhattan uh, in the real estate business. You, if you're not, you're not going to survive. And then, and then your next one, how Trump, quote, the warmonger, has actually given America a more realistic and safer foreign policy than any of his immediate predecessors. Trump's about the opposite of a warmonger. And some of the deep state really want him to, yes. to attack things. He's actually dialed it back, you would think the left would like that. Trump has not initiated a new war. He's the first president who has not initiated a new war since arguably Jimmy Carter, who sent 
guys in to rescue hostages. But if you talk a real war, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, you know, Reagan, who I, I support, obviously, went into Lebanon, went into Grenada. Uh, Bush went into Panama and Desert Storm. I know I was in Desert Storm, you know, and then so on. Uh, 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 Bill Clinton, uh, uh, Kosovo, Bosnia, Somalia, George W. Bush, we all remember Iraq and Afghanistan, Obama added Libya. You know, if you want to do warmongering, Trump is not very good at it. Trump's good at finishing it. He's finishing uh, Afghanistan. After two decades, our elite failed to win a battle chasing around a bunch of guys in turbans through the Hindu Kush. He could, they couldn't handle this. This is one of the, this is one of the, the big points I keep coming back to, Ezra, about these liars, the elite liars. And we had a, a generation that came after World War II. They, won, they beat the Nazis in Japan. They beat the Depression. And then the generation that followed uh, in America, civil rights, we put a man on the moon. What's this generation done? The one that's in charge now, these unaccomplished losers. I can think of a few things. Grinder, <laughs> Wall Street collapse. Where's their track record of achievement? Look, it, it, there's the, the, the thing is, I mean, they're liars, but they're, and they have no humility. And I've rarely met a group of people, a cast, C-A-S-T-E cast, of people so uh, for whom humility and being humble is, is so well justified. <laughs> Well, let me ask you, you got 21 lies about Trump. Let me ask you this last question. What do you think has been the most effective, most successful lie told about Donald Trump? Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Actually, 22 lies. I added in a pangolin uh, pandemic panic chapter right at the end. So oh, you, yeah. get a little, you get a little virus fun. Yeah. What's the most effective one? Um, it's somehow Trump is an other. And that's not one of the big, that, that's kind of a, uh, uh, an amalgamation of all the lies. But you put it all together, Trump is an other, not like you. He's a threat. He's a danger. He's everything that is bad about America. And that itself is the biggest lie because he represents everything that is good. He is a guy who has what I call the bar philosophy. You walk into a bar, you sit down with a guy named Lou who uh, builds things for a living. You're having a, a beer, a, a Molson's, for instance, and you're drinking the Molson's and you say, what do you think of Afghanistan? He goes, well, if we haven't won in 20 years, what are we doing there? My friend uh, Jimmy's son got shot in the leg there in Helmand province. I don't understand what's going on there. And of course, you know, the, you know and, and our great soldiers and great Canadian soldiers for whom all Americans are proud, by the way. We, we love our Canadian friends. Uh, yeah, and, and, and Lou says, I don't know what we're doing. If we're not going to win it, let's get the hell out and stop hurting our kids. And then you get some elite guy, who, you know, three degrees from Harvard Foreign Policy, you know, Georgetown School of Foreign Policy comes out. Well, the, the correlation of forces in the central Middle East region requires that we have a power display and lose like, uh, lose like, wait a minute. If we ain't going to win, get out. Yeah. And Donald Trump's, Donald Trump's the guy who sees that kind of common sense and doesn't allow him to, uh, doesn't allow himself to be sucked into this vortex of uh, academia speak that leads to confusion and moral obscurity. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking, I mean, I haven't read your book yet. It comes out tomorrow. I'm really excited about it. I'm just thinking about some of the effective. Can I throw a few at you and you tell me if you cover sure. this or what you think? I think 
one of the worst lies that he's pro-Russia, pro-Putin. Ah! He's so hard on that country. He's tightened all the sanctions on him. Mueller exonerated him, but that still sticks. The, he literally killed hundreds of Russians. He, he, they, they attacked one of our positions in Syria, which he wants to get out of. Yeah. And he, he unleashed and he killed hundreds of them. I mean, if you kill people, you're not doing collaboration yeah. well. Yeah. Look, I'm literally a cold warrior. I was literally a lieutenant in Germany near Stuttgart, shivering in the cold, on alert. My orders were die in place, hold, hold until relieved, die if necessary. I mean, that's literally my, so I'm literally a cold warrior. I was literally putting my behind and the behind is collective behinds of my unit on the line to stop Russians. And now I get lectured by these goateed little weirdos who can't do a push up and write for Vox. You love Putin. Dude, I know how to kill Russians. When you could take out, when you know how to use a battalion to wipe out a motor rifle regiment, you come and instruct me on Russians, you little sissy. <laughs> so. That's, I, I, and I, I, I was totally worried, too. I thought, Mueller, that's going to put an end to it. Was that lie going to be, you know, overcome by events? But, you know, last week we got the Afghanistan bounties thing, which was yeah. transparent nonsense and has completely disappeared. Yeah. So the, the book is, I mean, it's it's today. It's all up to date. You're, yeah. you're, you're seeing it live. Yeah. I love it. Well, I tell you, a very exciting uh, well, uh, very timely, obviously, and such a needed antidote. It's called, it's uh, by Regnery, which is quite an impressive publisher. It's called The 21 Biggest Lies About They're very good. and You by our friend Kurt Schlichter. Kurt, congratulations. You've done it again. I tell you, you're so prolific, but I love it. And we enjoyed your work at Rebel News, and we follow you with great interest from up here. Come back anytime you have some news for us, and I can hardly wait to talk about your next book, too. I, I can hardly wait to. It's been too long. I love the Rebel audience. You guys are great. You guys are so supportive of my uh, my little videos. And I'm really glad that you asked me to come on today. Thank you very much. And I hope everyone will go check out my one biggest lies about Donald Trump and you. And I want to emphasize, it's funny. It's not a Batan death march. Of, <laughs> of, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not leveraging my uh, strategic studies degree and my poli-sci degree to bore you with jargon. It's like our talk today. Yeah. Except with more swears. <laughs> well, listen, you do a great job, and we're thrilled to support you uh, in any way we can. Keep in touch, my friend. And this is such an important election down there, not just for Americans, but I tell you that around the world, anyone who loves freedom and democracy is watching with bated breath from Hong Kong to Israel to India to Canada to people behind iron curtains, whether it's in Iran or North Korea. So you guys will choose so much of the course of the world, and we wish you good luck and good judgment. Take care, my friend. Thank you, my friend. All right, there you have it, Kurt Schlichter. And you can get uh, the book right now. You can order it at the Amazon link under this video. Stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back on my monologue Friday. Ian writes, so adult men can play games but not children? Grow up, Canada. You're talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. Millionaire players, billionaire owners, most of them flying in from the States where they're all down there anyways. And that's completely kosher. But you can't go to the park and play a game with your kids. Yeah, that's politics. That's not pandemics.
On my interview with Facebook whistleblower Ryan Hartwig, Chris writes, social media should be considered a clear and present threat to the free world. Well, I mean, it's unthinkable that two, three, four companies would own every single TV, radio, and newspaper, right? But that's really what it's like when you have Google, YouTube, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, which also owns Instagram and WhatsApp. What's that, 99% of all social media? Three companies? Three left-wing <laughs> radical San Francisco-based companies? Yeah, that's a clear and present danger. Ward writes, so he's a clerk that works for the records department of the Ministry of Truth. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it when he described 1,500 people working three shifts, and he said he would go through 200 posts a shift. So if my math is right, that office was doing 300,000 censorship acts a day, and that's just the Phoenix office. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I want to follow up on that story some more. Well, that's it for today. I want to say thanks to you for those of you who have bought the book, China Virus. I got my copy on Friday, and I heard reports that people were actually getting deliveries of it yesterday on a Sunday, which is very impressive to me. Um, the book hit number one in the Kindle on uh, downloads. So that's an e-book. And I think it hit number two in the paperback bestseller list. You can get yours by simply going to chinavirusbook.com or go to Amazon. All right. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.